of availability before the service is anything other than I don't feel well and I, and I, and I don't want to get you sick. And so, but I, I'm thankful that you're here and uh, I, believe the, I believe the Lord has uh, something, something great for us this morning. When, when I think of a new year, I think of how a new year brings all kinds of optimisms, right? Uh, we plan to get healthy by dieting, by going to the gym. How many of you said, hey, that, that's going to be me and I've already broken it? Anybody? Okay, already broken it. Yeah. And so I've already used the excuse in my first week of 2018 where I was supposed to eat right and, you know, go to the gym a couple times a week. I've already used an excuse. I've already said, ah, I'm too sick to go, you know. And so hopefully that's not a, hopefully that's not a, um, you know, excuse that I use for the rest of the year. But, uh, but we're going we're gonna to eat healthy. We're going to we're going to lose some weight. We're going we're, we're gonna to exercise. We're gonna des- we desire more quality time with those that we love. We plan to pray more. Plan to spend, time, spend more time with God. We, spend, we plan to get into the Word more. We, we plan to express more faith. What I want to ask you to do this morning is I want you to ask I want to ask you to, to be real with yourself. I want you to try to fight the urges from trying to distance yourself from this message. Because actually, if you distance yourself from this message, you're actually distancing yourself from the very grace of God that is there for you. And so I want us to, I want us to be real here this morning. And, and the title of the message is this, Weak Faith and Little Prayers. Weak faith and little prayers. The 12th chapter of the book of Acts depicts terrible violence. And it's a time of where the Christians in the early church, they were, they were very scared for their very lives. You and I who live in this Western culture, we know very little of what it's like to live with our faith on the line. We know little of what it's like to have the true fear of your life to stand up and say, I am a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can kind of distance ourselves from a chapter like Acts 12 if we're not careful. But sadly, there are millions of our brothers and sisters around the world who reside in regions where violence is a regular response to biblical faith. Herod, who was the king at this time, he, he wasn't much of a theologian. He did not oppose the followers of Jesus Christ because of their specific beliefs. He was more concerned more about him retaining his position of political power. And so if the Jewish leaders began to cause conflict in his territory, it was ultimately going to bring negative attention back to Caesar, and uh, things were going to begin to happen. He probably would have been stripped of his power and his position. And so the Sadducees and the Pharisees, uh, those who saw, or they, those, they saw those who followed Jesus as a threat. And so Herod, he set out to, to crush this rising group of early Christians. And let's begin reading in verse number 1 of Acts chapter number 12. It'll be up on the screen if you need to follow along that way. Now at that time, Herod, 
the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it, because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded, excuse me, further to take Peter also. Now, it was not hard for Peter's brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ to guess what was going to happen to Peter next. Herod was going to make a public example or a public, you know, literally kill Peter. He was going to execute him, and what it was going to do is it was going to give more support. It was going to garner some more power on his end, and that would have been very, very critical for him retaining control. And so what I want to do, I, want to, I just want to make some observations as we go down through this text. And then, as we get towards the end of the message, I want to I begin to apply it for your everyday life. But let's, kinda, let's just make some quick observations as we go through this text. The first observation we would make is the power of prayer. The early church at this time, it, it, had, it had no political power. Therefore, it, was the only, it had no way of convincing Herod to release Peter. Yet they were not without influence. Because Jesus had modeled for his followers the most powerful tool that any Christian would ever have, and that is the use of prayer. And we see in verse number 5 of Acts 12, and it says, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. As the church prayed, God answered. An angel of the Lord came and appeared to Peter in the cell, and he had all of his, all of his you know, locks and everything that was on him fall to the ground. He literally said, hey, I want you to get dressed. I want you to follow me. And even Peter was not quite prepared for God to, to answer in this way. And I want, you to, I want you to put yourself in his shoes. Let's read verse 6. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and the light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. I mean, come on, just like, just like Peter. You and I probably would have been asking, is this, a, is this a little bit, you know, is this like a dream from a little bit too much pizza? You know, is this like, you know, some, some bad New Year's Day food? I don't know if you were excited about who won those bowl games or not, but if, the, if your team won, that food tastes good. If your team lost, that food tastes bad. I'm a USC fan, and they got crushed by Ohio State, and some people like to just razz me all day with that, and that's good. I, I'm good for that. But listen, did I, did I eat something wrong? Did literally an angel just come in here? Did he arise me from sleep? Did he, did, did, did he wake me up? Did he cause my chains to fall, and now... I'm bound by soldiers, and I'm just walking out of this place? Man, this, this has got to be a vision. 
It was not until Peter had passed all of the guards, until he was out into the street where he began to say, wow, this is real. Wow, this is, this is a fact. This is, this is actually happening. We see in verse number 10, when they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. It just opened up. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. He had been freed by a powerful, infinitely greater power than Herod or Caesar would have ever possessed. It was the power of the Almighty God. Probably still in some disbelief, Peter finally proclaims in verse number 11, and when Peter was come to himself, he said, now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. What were the expectations of the people of the Jews? His public execution. That's what they expected to happen. And honestly, it would have been a horrifying blow to the new band, so to speak, of Jesus' followers if this would have happened. James had already been killed by the sword, and now Peter, the next day, was planning to be executed. That's what their expectation was. And that changed because you had some men and some women, according to this text, they were praying. They prayed. The power of prayer. I think another observation as we continue through this chapter of Acts 12 would be that the Bible can be very amusing. If you have been in church for any length of time and you, and you, might, know the, you might know the rest of this story, you, you can find it a little amusing. But it's important that as you and I read these stories or it is being read to you, that you and I, that we, that, that we put ourselves into the narrative. We should feel the terror and the discouragement of the early church as Herod was literally kind of had them by their necks, so to speak. There was this violent quest for Christian blood. See, you and I, we distance ourselves from this. Why? Because we don't really have, it's not our context and, and we don't understand it. Because here in America, you and I, we don't really have that we have that fear. Some things come up on the news and we pray and our hearts weep and break over those things that happen. But, but the reality is, is probably not a lot of thought goes into that because you and I enjoy wonderful freedoms. And so as we read this, try to, try to imagine the fear. Try to imagine the, just the discouragement of having one of your leaders, basically James and Peter would have been the main two leaders. One's dead and one's getting ready to die. We should relate with Peter when he had doubts of confusion about God's ability to perform rescuing wonders. And we should laugh at the humor that this story takes on next. Because once, once Peter's freed, he goes to, to the house where he believed would be a prayer meeting. He goes to, he goes to Mary's house. And uh, when, he, when, when he gets there, he kind of Knocks on, the, knocks on the outer gate, and Rhoda, who would have been the servant on call, so to speak, uh, recognized Peter's voice, and she was overcome with joy that he was released, that she forgot to open up the door, and she runs back to the people that are in a prayer meeting. And she says, hey, you won't, <laughs> you won't believe this. Peter's, Peter's, Peter's been released. 
and they don't believe her. They think that she's mad. And it's like, no, 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 no. She kept, she's continuing to be persistent. She's like, no, no, no. All you saw, all you saw was an angel. So let's read this here. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. So what's going on is the, the believers are inside. They come and they say, no, 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 you're out of your mind. It's just an angel, verse 15. And they said unto her, thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, it is his angel. I didn't know that you and I had angels. You know, we've, we've, you know, we've, hey, we might have, you know, kind of, you know, the angel of the Lord, and we have, you know, those people that you know, we think they have, you know, angels that watch over us. But I didn't know that we had personal angels, one that actually looks like me. Well, that's what they were saying here. They're like, you're mad. She's persistent. Well, maybe it was just his lookalike. Maybe it was just his angel. So what happens? Peter keeps knocking, and finally they go open up the door, and, it's ama- and they're amazed to see that God has answered their prayer in such a miraculous way. So there's humor in the Bible. You can see it for what it really is. Power and prayer. Another observation, number three, do not distance yourself from this story. Whenever we read biblical stories like this, it is natural for us to say, yeah, that's not me. Maybe it's because of the differences in historical and cultural contexts. But when we do this, these stories lose their transformation power. Remember, the purpose of Scripture is not just to inform us of what happened, but it's rather to transform us while we are learning what happened. And so suddenly, the, uh, the, uh, put yourself in the, in the middle of this frightened and confused group of believers They had just seen Jesus Christ die on the cross. The one that they had left all had begun to follow. He was just murdered illegally, by the way, on a cross. Now, we know it was God's plan. It It was the beauty of the cross, that he was redeeming us and he was saving us. But to them, the disciples and the followers of Jesus, they constantly were saying, what, you know, Where's this kingdom, Jesus? And he kept saying, no, it's a future kingdom. It's a future kingdom. And they never understood it. And so now Jesus has been crucified and he's been buried. And now he's in that grave for three days. And they saw the miraculous power of Jesus as he was, as he was ascended or he rose again from the dead and then ascended to heaven. But prior to ascending, Jesus, he, he comes to his followers and he commissions them. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take this life-changing power of the gospel, and I want, you to, I want you to turn the world upside down with it. I want you to preach that everywhere you go. And so that's what they start to do. And Herod and the leaders, they start to get angry. And now one of their leaders has been killed. Now another leader, and Peter, has been incarcerated, and he's getting ready to be executed. Think of the doubt that would have come into these men and women's lives. Is this for real? Is this message that I'm supposed to be proclaiming, is it, is it real? It's real. 
believe it's true of all of us. If you and I were walking in their sandals, the Bible says sandals, what would you have been thinking and feeling? Would you, what, would, what would your questions of God been? Would you have questioned his power? Would you have questioned his presence, his goodness and grace? Would you have found it easy to believe that the Lord would deliver Peter from chains? Would you have been ridden with doubt and plagued by fear? Would you have wondered if following Jesus Christ is worth it? Would you have wondered if the message you had staked your entire life on was true after all? These men and women were in a prayer meeting the very thing that they were praying, they didn't really believe could happen. I mean, let's be honest. Have you ever seen anything like that happen? My kid will bite me to get out of my, like, lock, <laughs> you know, when we're playing. You've never seen anyone's just chains fall off. These are real men, and these are real women. And here's what I know. You're real men and you're real women and you struggle with the same thing. Great optimism coming into a new year. <laughs> I'm going to do this and this and this. No, I failed there and, and there. I'm seven days in and it's like, oh Lord, can we just go to 2019 so I can make these decisions again? I love this story for how it applies to you and me. Because it encourages us to be honest about our faith and our prayers as we face the realities of life in a fallen world. You heard Pastor Mike's message last Sunday on if you, if you had the opportunity to be here on, on complacency and hopefully God did something in your heart and said, yeah, God, I want to I go into 2018 just rabid for the Lord in all the different areas. And then you're more like a little bark, bark, bark. And you want to be like cheetah. This story encourages me. So how does it apply? Let me give you a couple applications. Are you doing okay this morning? All right? Application number one, there are no heroes of faith. I'm encouraged by the fact that that night in Mary's house, there were no grand displays of great, amazing faith. No one was brimming with courage. No one seemed to be free from doubt and no one seemed to be assured of what God would do. Even though they prayed, they found the, 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 the power and compassion of God to whom they were praying to to be surprising. Wow! You'd actually, you'd actually do that? I mean, it's amazing how we forget about the resurrection. You and I, we forget about how God just does amazing things in our life, but we get in that situation, and it's like, oh, me. Here's what I'm here to say to you. It's okay. Don't quit on 2017 yet. You're just seven days in. 18. Now, we already quit on 17. Don't, 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 don't quit on this year yet. Be reminded that there is only one hero of faith, and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. This story invites you and invites me to be honest about our weak faith and about our little prayers. Application number two, we're never alone. Praise God. 
we are never alone. No matter what we face, we never face it alone. It's, it's, it, it is amazing enough that God is near us and that God even hears us, but ultimately, far more important than that is the truth that God controls everything and that God is over everything. And the Bible tells us that that, that, that as Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, he's in control of all things for the church. Look at Ephesians 1.22. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Now listen, God hears us. God is near us. But you know what's far more important than that is that God is in control. God is able. And what oftentimes, this whole text is about Jesus, but oftentimes we'll look at a verse like that and you'll hear me say like that. And here's what we think. We think of the paradigm of Redwood Baptist Church. Let me ask you a question. Who makes up the church? You all do. I love Redwood. I, I, I love it, but it's not this building. Now, I'll be honest with you, it's about the coolest building ever. You know, so every year we, we, take, our, we take all of our Christmas decorations down and we're like, <laughs> and this past year I had those feelings and then I was like, Ryan, duh, you have a rock in your auditorium. And how cool is that? You have a rock in your auditorium. I know, we get so, it's just so dull. Oh, I don't have a rock in our auditorium. Mike and I were talking about before he got deathly sick. I gave it to him, sorry. Um, literally deathly sick, pray for him. We're like, man, how do, we, how do we make a rock look cooler? I don't know how you do, but I just love it. That's not the church. You're the church. Believer, if you trusted Christ as your Savior, that's you. He's head over all things. Why is he over all things? For you. You're never alone. The God of all things. He hears you, praise God. He draws near to you, praise God. But he also controls all things. He exercises his sovereign power over everything, not just for his own glory, but for your good. When we remember that truth, our faith in prayer will grow stronger and it will replace our worry. Another application here, trying to move through here. Number three, divine power is greater than political power. Nicholas, I'm actually going to skip some of these things here, but the hope of the church is not the power of the church, but the Lord of the church. Our power is in the Lord. Our power is not in all of us getting together for some cause, although there's nothing wrong with getting together for some cause, 100% for that. There's even some things that we're going to do as a church this year. But listen, that's not where the power comes from. The power comes from the Lord of the church, and that's Jesus. He's our source of power. It is the church, and it is him that we learn that the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. It is he, it is him, it is his power that teaches us that we can cast down strongholds in our lives. It's through him, not political power. We're not going to try to, you know, kind of maneuver ourselves this year so we can garner some more support and power. Again, nothing wrong with that. That's not the goal, okay? Power is in Christ. Application number four, weak faith is productive and little prayers are answered. Weak faith 
is productive and little prayers are answered. God's response to prayer, hear me, is not directly proportioned to the size and strength of the faith of the person who prayed. Because if that were the case, a lot of my prayers would not go answered. And I can look back on 2017, and I actually have a journal of them in my office. Prayer after prayer after prayer answered. Listen, I, it's never been my goal, and in 2018 it won't be my goal. I'm not going to try to set myself up as the hero. Only one hero, and that's Jesus. Just one. And he takes my weak faith. He takes my little prayers, and he takes a story like Acts 12, and it just shows us that, listen, this, this story illustrates the exact opposite. Matthew 17, 20 says, And Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to a yonder place, and it shall remove. I'm concerned with something. Hear me. I'm concerned about legalism in the area of prayer. And I believe it regularly is affecting Christendom. I think it's affecting the church. It tells us that we are not getting answers to our prayers because we have not exercised enough faith. That not only leaves us feeling guilty, but also wondering what in the world do we have to do to generate more faith. We have a dear sister in our church that we desperately love, and she just had to leave a moment ago because she was having a seizure, is my assumption. Okay, And a man-centered approach would be, why don't you, because I, I, I want to take myself out of this, why don't you all have enough faith to cause her to stop having seizures? That's a legalistic, man-centered way of doing things, where you and I, you know what we ought to do? We ought to take the situations of our life. Sarah and I were talking about this last night. We ought to take the situations of our life, and you know what we do? We pray, and in faith, we give them over to a sovereign God. And it doesn't mean that you don't ever pray about it again, but it's a, it's a trusting. It's God, I, I've, I've been praying for this for years, and week after week, I see Caesar after Caesar, but God, I'm praying for a miracle. I submit her life. I mean, imagine her family. Her family prays far more than we do about it. We submit her life into your hands. Listen, the Christian life and man-centered. It's Jesus-centered. You know what you and I ought to do? Submit it over to him. Those men that were praying in that room, they, they, they obviously, we get, we get the whole story. They obviously didn't believe that Jesus could really do that. You know, Rhoda, you are mad. You saw a vision. You saw an angel. I don't know what you saw but you didn't see Peter because what you're telling us is impossible. But with God, what? All things are possible. Don't feel guilty this morning. The Bible, on the other hand, teaches us that the littlest of faith, it's a radical submission of yourself to the Lord. And that even the weakest of prayers is an act of worship that honors the one in whom we pray to. So you know what I challenge you in 2018? Don't stop praying. 
If you were here and earlier at, at our 10 o'clock hour, we went back to the basics for the beginning of the year. Don't stop, get, don't, don't stop reading the word. I challenge you this morning, at the beginning of the year, we're going to start a new series come, uh, come next week on Final Destination. We're going to look at heaven and hell. But my New Year challenge to you is don't stop praying. Or as a familiar song in the Barry is don't stop believing. But where's your belief? In you? In your, in, in your, your way to conjure up uh, enough faith? Oh, okay. Put it in the Lord. Let me say fifthly, we're moving along here. You're doing so well. Fifthly, doubt is the normal experience of every believer. No matter how theologically astute or biblically literate you are, you will still have what I call mysteries in your life. Between the already, which is what God has made you in Jesus Christ, and the not yet, what you're going to have in a glorified body and a home in heaven, hallelujah, that day we're getting closer every single day. But what we call life, the here and the now, in that, guess what? You are going to have moments where God confuses you. You are going to have moments when it seems like he isn't answering and when he feels distant. There are even going to be moments in 2018, you might want to write it down because you're hearing it from Ryan first, where you are going to think that God does not care. I promise you, you will. You're going to have those moments. In other words, there's going to be moments when life doesn't just make any, it doesn't make any sense. When it seems that it makes, uh, or what sense does it make to commission a church to take the gospel to the world and then allow one of its principal leaders in James to die and then another one to be imprisoned? Doesn't make much sense, does it? God, what are you, what are you, what are you calling me to? Our, our, our area around here is getting less and less um, even churchy. They say like 4% of our area go to quote-unquote church, and you know a lot of things get lumped into church, not all Bible-believing, Christ-preaching churches in that. And so we're wondering, God, what are we doing here? All of us are going to face situations that these believers did. We're going to doubt. We're going to have confusion. There's going to be fear, and it's natural when it comes to your confidence in God. Here's what the question is. The question is, is what are you going to do with your doubt? What are you going to do with your doubt? You're going to get mad? You're going to walk away from God? When God brings a little riddle into your life, when God brings a little situation that's out of your control, by the way, those situations that are out of your control, I'm here to tell you those are the grace of God. Because you know what they're supposed to do? Not cause us to run from God. They're supposed to cause us to run to God, to the one who is knowing, the one who is over all, who hears us and who draws near to us and is empowered for you and for me. And then let me close by saying this last application. God does not mock weak faith or little prayers. This little story in Acts 12 that I began reading on Tuesday, I had every intent of starting a New Year series and the final destination. I even told our Wednesday night Bible study that I was going to. And God worked me over in the middle of this week. You know what this story is? It preaches grace to us. 
God did not ridicule the Christians that gathered at Mary's house for their weak faith and their little prayers. No, you know what he met him with? He met him with comfort. He met him with Peter. He met him with encouragement. He met him with Peter. He met him with great power. He put a man in front of them in Peter, and all Peter did was point to a God who can, even though there were a bunch of men and women that didn't really, this situation was a little sticky for God. Can I be that cavalier with us? Sometimes we think that. This is, out of, this is out of the realm of his expertise. Oh, oh, we'd never say that. Sometimes we think that. You and I, we did not purchase our salvation through personal righteousness, hear me, nor do we purchase God's answers to prayer by strength and the size of our faith. The Lord knows that we're weak, and that is why he has promised to be our strength and to exercise his authority on our behalf, on behalf of the church. Your brothers and sisters in Acts 12 teach you and teach me to stop hiding our doubt, to quit denying our weaknesses, and to quit sanitizing our struggles with faith. You know what we desire in 2018? We desire in 2018 that Redwood Baptist Church be a place where we can come broken and get mended, where we can come and we can realize that in Christ, he makes all things new. We can bring the weakness. We can bring a weak that, 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 that might have lacked on the faith front and know that you're not going to come to a place where you say, what kind of weak did you have? Instead, it's, hey, me too. Let's go to the cross. Let's go to this. Let's believe it again. Let's believe that God can. Let's believe that he can take a family and that he can restore that. Let's believe that he can take a marriage and he can restore that. Let's believe it, that God could teach us so much that our identity is only found in Christ and that it is not found in our circumstances. It is not found in our relational status, that it is not found in our children working out, that it is not found in how good of a job I have or what car I drive, but that it is found alone in Jesus Christ. And when you and I get to that place, we can just say, you know what? This stuff matters because it's life. I'm not trying to be so cavalier with it. We can say it matters, but we can really say, it doesn't matter because I have Jesus. I'm 100% in him. Do you know him as your savior? Do you know Jesus as your savior? I can imagine in rooms early on in Bible days where havoc was being, where, 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 where stuff was coming out all over and not, they weren't only killing Christians. They would conquer villages and cities and they'd kill all sorts of people. And I imagine there were men and women that were in rooms just like those that were in Mary's but they didn't have anybody to pray to but some little God on a shelf. But you and I got a little faith, I know. You got, you got little prayers and you take those 
and you say, God, I'm placing those in your hands because you're awesome, because you're great, because you're totally capable to have somebody who's around soldiers to have the chains fall and literally walk out of prison. Oh, I don't think you're going to do it, Lord. There's your little faith. I get that. It's our lives. But Lord, you can. So I'm going to give it over to you. And you watch God do an amazing work. The one to whom you pray, too, is tender. He's slow to anger. And he's abounding in love. And he's promised that he'll never turn a deaf ear to little prayers of his children, no matter how weak they are. That, my friend, is good news on a week that most likely some of your optimism came crashing down. So I would, I would encourage you to say, or I'd encourage you, get right back up and give those same things right back over to the Lord here this morning. God's worthy of it, and he's fully capable to do a great work in your life. Every head bowed, every eye closed, please. Just talk to the Lord, please. You know what you don't have to do right now? You don't have to try to fake it before God because he knows. That's why I said at the beginning, don't, don't try to distance yourself from this message. Embrace the grace that is found in it. here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you do not know the God of heaven that these men and women prayed to in Acts 12, and the God that I preached on for the last 30 minutes, would you please allow the Holy Spirit to touch your heart? that you would not leave here this morning without knowing that. I so desire to speak to you about your eternity, about knowing the God of heaven through Jesus Christ. I'd love to show you from the Bible how you can know that. Normally I head to the back but with Mike not being here, I'll stay up here in the front. So I'm going to plead with you not to leave without, without that knowledge. And then Christian that has that knowledge, oh, you ought to thank God for Jesus. He's the game changer. Father, I pray that, Lord, you would take this story in Acts 12, God, and that you would shove it so deep down into the crevices of our hearts and our lives that it would be, that we would be reminded of it. That, God, we would realize the, 
the immense power that's in a simple story once we put ourselves into it. Once we try to apply it to 2018, we see that it is a story of grace. It's not a story of condemnation. God did not answer their prayers because they didn't believe it was going to happen. He took their little faith and their little prayers and he did something mighty with it. He took that mustard seed and he moved a mountain. And God, we're praying that you would do that in our lives. And Father, I pray that we'd be honest before you, that we would be willing to come broken and to receive um, the help that is needed. And uh, Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name.